<clears throat> Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Watchman. We are sounding the alarm for the peril and the uncertainty that lie ahead. Our commitment is for the objective truth. As the watchman on the wall, we will call out whenever we see those that live in the fifth dimension attempt to put feelings and emotions in front of facts and truth. We will call out the real motives of those living in the land of unlimited imagination. And we do that by expounding on the underreported facts and unpacking it with a punch. Today, we're going to be getting to those facts with Rick Crump. Rick is a management consultant by trade with its own firm called Kinetic Experience. Rick helps Fortune 500 companies and other companies solve complex business problems. Rick is back with us today. Welcome back to The Watchman, Rick. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. It's great to have you back, sir. Great to have you back. I want to talk a little bit about uh, what your thoughts are on the integrity and loyalty. I should say, uh, what, what are your thoughts? Of course, this is a rhetorical question because I know what I'm going to hear from you, okay? <laughs> the, value of, the value of integrity and loyalty is John Bolton... Is John Bolton in his book, in his new book deal, is John Bolton being – is he now the new caricature of integrity or is he, the, is he a caricature of treasonous activity? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I got to tell you, I, I'm not really sure what was going through Bolton's mind when he decided to pick a fight with Trump. Um, you know, it, it's one thing to not see eye to eye. But, um, you know, Bolton checks a couple boxes that were problematic for Trump from the beginning. And yet, I think it's really a testimony to how open-minded Trump is. You know, Bolton has served previous presidents that, that Trump has significant disagreements with. He's very much a hawk. He sent him to the, to the uh, United Nations, and, and the guy picks fights all the time. Now, sometimes you want that, right? But we are a, we are a war-weary nation at this point. And, you know... Bolton has served his country honorably in certain instances, but he got he has to remember he's not the president. And don't go pick a fight openly with the president who has a history of basically, you know, leaving a wake in his path of anyone who decides to, you know, contend with him so much because Trump has a job to do. And it's and he's got everybody, pretty much everybody against him. Do you really want to be counted on the same side as the left? I mean, that's all that's all Bolton's really going to be uh, remembered for. I saw a quote earlier today, uh, and I'm, I'm, the, the source is escaping me, but he said that he would not vote for Biden uh, in, in this year's election because the Dems were almost as bad as Trump. And I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? You, have you lost what's left of your mind? Oh, my. So, yeah, he's he's really he's really come unhinged. Now, the, the challenge is this, Clay. He's got himself back into a corner. You know, he's 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 like Trump. He's He's got a hard head and he's, you know. He's an alpha male, and the, the problem is he's just picking the wrong fight. And to your point, he's being very disloyal. And he's, I don't know what kind of legacy he thinks he's leaving, but, you know, there's an old saying, you can say anything you want your last day. I'm not really sure who this guy thinks is going to, you know, be standing around him and standing in support of him. And it isn't just because of, a, of, of, uh, of being a political liability. It's literally because you're being disloyal to the very things that Trump is standing for as a president. So at the end of the day, that's what you're going to be known for. Well, it's amazing to me. I, I agree. I uh, I think in the end of the day, I think, I mean, he already doesn't have any friends with Democrats. I mean, the Democrats, 
they couldn't even come together to make him ambassador of the UN. If you remember back, Bush had to make a recess appointment. Trump had to make recess appointments because the Democrats can't stand him. I think yep. what's interesting is, and you know, so he has no friends in the Democrat aisle. And then, of course, with the Republicans, he just made it so that Republicans, other than Willard Romney, <laughs> other than yeah. Willard Romney, and you know, maybe some other deep staters like Bill Crystal and others, you know, I don't know, and that guy Steele. He's the former RNC chair from years ago. I think his name's Michael Steele, but whatever. The guy, the former chair of the RNC. Uh, I mean, he, he's another one. I mean, you see these deep staters. I mean, they they come on TV. They like they make their they like to make their their discussions. They're, they're sort of like the. Uh, I mean, Bolton is showing himself as an establishment deep stater. That's what I see. I see a guy who's. Oh yeah, no question. Yeah, I see a guy who who never got a proper appointment. Okay. Uh, I mean, he, he would never admit that the Iraq war was a mistake, you know, and, and, you know, he's basically selling friction with the president. That's what's in his book, friction with the president. That's a a sad legacy to have. Oh, it's horrible. Horrible. I, I'm amazed at this. I'm amazed at this. What I thought was interesting was one of the things that were in the book was he was making a comment that Trump was in negotiation with the Chinese to buy agriculture. And so he was making a comment. He says, you know, Trump made the statement that he thinks this is going to help him with his reelection to buy more agriculture, the Chinese buy more agriculture. Well, let you let's you and I unpack this for a second. I think what John Bolton is saying is that better trade deals that Trump does, that better trade deals will help him get reelected. I think that's what he's saying. And I guess Trump said this in these rooms, better trade deals. Get the Chinese to buy more agriculture. It's going to help him win elections. No kidding, John Bolton. Donald Trump said he was going to do better trade deals, and he comes in office and he does better trade deals. Yeah, I mean, to your John point, Bolton, if, you could, huh? if John Bolton could start you know, pointing out where the president's policies are wrong, if he could start pointing out where, where the president is in error, not just disagreement, but egregious error on, on not trying to provoke wars on et cetera, et cetera. It, this is just a personality issue. And Bolton knows it. And that's what he's trying. He's literally even marketing it as a, as a personality issue because he can't, he can't go after Trump on substance. And that's really going to be his downfall because at the end of the day, um, you know, it's, it's a very short-sighted grab he's making for the dollar uh, with, with major ramifications um, on his legacy. He's, I, I don't know what, I don't know what's going through the guy's mind. Well, he's a never Trumper. Became a never Trumper. I think that's and all these never Trumpers. They all get they all get disillusioned. I mean, I was talking on the previous show. We were talking this morning. I was getting on the air this morning talking about how, I mean, how these never Trumpers, these these disillusioned never Trumpers, were all commenting on Trump only having seven or eight thousand in his rally and only having about ten million watch him on TV. I mean, after all, Trump usually would have thirty thousand in his rallies, right? And I'm thinking, I mean, so the man failed to leap the entire building in a single bound. I mean, what are we hearing here? We're hearing that he's not Superman. He's, you know, he only had to make it two trips over the over the building. It took him. It took him. It took him more more effort to stop the the raging locomotive. You know, I mean, I mean yeah, look, I know. even though he's still the only one that could do it, it took him two tries instead of one. You know, and they, and they they leave out the fact that his recent rally, it still took a stadium to hold everybody. And, and it was really the overflow 
it was the overflow that was underwhelming, not the stadium itself. You know, well, usually there's there's all the standing room. But I thought what was amazing on this on the whole thing, and I mean, look, we know what happened with the rally. We know what happened. Okay, we know sure. that the prop the propaganda was out there every day, saturating the airwaves that the COVID spike was going on, and people are going to get sick at this rally. And then, of course, we actually had the threat of these of these radical left mobs dropping on Tulsa like Batman, okay? And we had that being threatened. And so people were just kind of like resisting to be there. And I yeah. think have you have you read about the uh, have you <laughs> and have you read about the, uh, the 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 scandal about TikTok being used to try and encourage people to, to use up tickets they weren't going to attend? I heard that so, too. So yeah, so I mean to your point, there's a full there's a, there's it takes that much force to leave a few empty rows at a stadium at a Trump event. Seriously, folks. I mean, you have, you have the left showing up in droves. You have the media against him. You have uh, people going to social media and and asking people to to uh, to uh, request tickets that they have no intention of using so that others can't attend. You do all of that, and the best you can do is have a few empty rows in a stadium that still required a huge stadium to hold a rally. Well, I got news for you. That's just trying to create a perception. That, that's literally taking away people's ability to attend that wanted to attend. That's not that's not diminishing actual demand. That's just trying to build a perception of a lack of demand, and it will boomerang on you. Oh yeah, I I I, I think it's really. But I think what's amazing is that we're actually hearing on the. It was funny. I mean, they're showing the empty seats in the upper level, but they failed to talk about the fact there were seven thousand people there. And then, of course, they failed to talk about the millions and millions that watched them on TV. Yeah. Anyway, but it, it again, John Bolton is out there trying to sell friction, and he's got everybody angry. At him, but you know, this hurts the country, and it 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 just does. A national security advisor reveals what happens behind closed doors with other nations, even though what he's saying is ridiculous. Now think about it. You know, he said. And with the Chinese in the room that he felt that this agricultural deal was going to help him win the election. I can't believe he said that with the Chinese in the room. Who cares? He's bragging in front of these Chinese, the hubris. But look, he's got he's got the ability to be able to be proud of what he did because he brought in a trade deal. Nobody else. Nobody else did any of these trade deals. John Bolton, when he was in Washington, never had an idea about a good trade deal either. None of them did. Matter of fact, all these people thought the tariffs that Trump was using, Rick, was going to be a bad deal. Remember, they all they were all poo pooing the idea of of the tariffs, Rick. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I if I was Bolton, I'd stick to what I know about some some national security issues. I wouldn't get involved in areas like agriculture and things that are out of the scope of his purview in the first place. Right. He just continues to show that this is more of a personal grind, a personal ax to grind than, it, than he does, that this is of substance. And that's that's too bad because that's the legacy he's literally building for himself as he leaves. Well, it's, it's evidence that his emotions have eclipsed everything else, too. Yeah. I mean, it is look, funny how, isn't it funny how Trump has a way of bringing that out in people? I mean, <laughs> the, the, the interesting thing about Trump is people say, well, he's very polarizing. And I say, well, actually... I think what he does is he gets people to tell themselves when you see how how uh, the Dems on the left and the extreme left have just become so ferocious over the last three years. What he did was he he actually put up real resistance. I mean, he's the first one in a long time to put up real resistance to them. And with that going on, it is 
you know, it's a thing to be reckoned with. And so he's really just gotten people to tell on themselves. Bolton's the same way. He gets deep staters on the right to tell about on themselves all the time. These moderates that, that really aren't, um, aren't, aren't conservatives. He just gets you to tell on yourself and exposes you. That's, that's what it really means when they say polarizing. He gets you to tell on yourself. <laughs> but you know something, though? I mean, there's no honor left in the guy. None. No honor at all. Un- unfortunately, he's, he's certainly not going to be given it. And the, and the sad thing is, Clay, to your point, he's not going to be given the benefit of the doubt anymore. And he doesn't have any more second or third chances after this. He's literally dropping the curtain on himself while he's going out kicking and screaming. Why would you do that? After after all the decades, this is what you're going to be known for. After all of that, this is the only thing people are going to remember you for. That's insane. I, I don't understand the logic and reason behind it. But like you said, it's really not logical. It's just emotional now. Yeah. He got $2 million bucks. He got $2 million for the up, but I don't think he'll get more than that because uh, I don't think they're going to sell that many copies. I really don't. The Democrats don't want to read about this. Well, yeah, you know, that's the other thing to your point. I mean, he's got this, quote, tell-all book. Well, nobody on the right really wants to read it because we're all supporting Trump. So it's not like we're and, – and we really don't think there's any substance to it anyways. Nobody uh-huh. on the left is going to buy it because they don't want to put money in Bolton's pocket. I mean, who does this guy <laughs> think he's really appealing to? That's right. I, and that's, it's amazing to me. But, you know, the whole thing comes down to is Bolton turned on the president because he didn't like him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you make it personal and you're going to get cut. You're going to get cut deep. Well, he didn't agree with the way Trump handled world leaders, okay? He didn't agree with it. I mean, this sounds to me like a deep state whining, whining, grinding, and the whining and moaning and moaning and groaning. And I mean, oh, I don't like the way well, Trump. I think a guy like Bolton is used to being asked what to do, and he's used to directing the president. He's used to being the, he's used to being the alpha in the room that, 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 tells them what boundaries to play within and what to push. And he's used to having that counsel being heated with Trump. Trump takes counsel and then he's going to do what he's going to do. He just wants to know what his options are. And a guy like Bolton is not used to having somebody that untethered, a president that actually goes and does what he's going to do, regardless of what Bolton says. Bolton's used to having presidents that will do what he says. And I think that's a part of the ego issue going on here. Boy, that's a very good point. I, you know, you haven't, I mean, maybe that's what Bolton didn't like about him. Yeah, I, I, I think there's something to that. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, the bottom line is Trump's, Trump's bragging because he made a good trade deal. And he's saying, I can't believe he said this with the Chinese leader in the room. I was like, first off, you had, I think it was uh, 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 Mitch Mul- Mick Mulvaney. He goes, I was in the room. I don't remember hearing it like that. But Mick Mulvaney said, look, he said, Trump made a better trade deal with the Chinese. Yes, it's going to help him with his election and his re-election. Yes, those are truths, Mr. Bolton. There's nothing there here's that's the bo- wrong here. <laughs> yeah, here's the bottom line for me. I, you know, over the last three or four years, we've been hearing, you know, all of these squawkers, as I call them, claiming that, uh, you know, turnover's too high in his cabinet. Oh, he nobody can get along with Trump. Oh, everything's unhinged. He's crazy. Oh, and all these accusations keep coming. Right. And I look at the results that we're achieving. And I'll be honest with you. I had a friend of mine who, who took, took issue with me about this, about the turnover in the Trump administration. And I was pointing out to him that Trump was simply doing what he does in the, in the private sector, which is hold people accountable for results. You don't achieve, boom, you're gone. And, and of course my friend is from the public sector, so he couldn't wrap his head around that. Right. Yeah. I finally said to him, I said, I said, listen, if all these accusations are true, and this is the 
the result that we get, which is making America great again, and all of these things that are bringing us back to power and making our economy strong. I said, if it takes that chaos, bring the chaos. I mean, I don't know what you think. You actually think that people care about your feelings and about how, how everything's supposed to be done in a, quote, orderly fashion. No, they care about results. So if all of this, quote, chaos uh, results in all of this greatness, dude, bring chaos for the next four years in your administration. I don't really care about accusations of chaos. I, I care about results. And I well, think it's falling on deaf ears now because people are seeing that, you know, I think early on, they really thought that these accusations would take hold and it would prevent Trump from having results. And these deep state figures are, are finding out now that it's falling on deaf ears. And I look at them and I go, Pfft. whether you say whether what you say is true or not, what what matters is the result. So if this if he has to, like, have 60 percent turnover in his administration and kick so many butts until you find the one that's actually going to get the job done, I say, keep doing it. That's right. Well, you know, what's funny is Bolton here is basically saying that Trump putting America first in trade deals is morally wrong. Because Trump knows yeah. he's going to help him win politically. That's insane. I don't know. I have no idea who he thinks he's going to appeal to. I mean, think about it. The only people that are going to really relate with that message are the social justice warriors of the left. What are you thinking about, Bolton? Hello? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is Trump derangement syndrome laced with fifth dimensional logic. I mean, you know, yeah. I just I, I thought it was so funny listening to that. I thought I said, I said to my wife, I said, you know, I said, it don't even make sense to me. I mean, of course, America first trade policy is going to help him get reelected. Yeah. I'm just blown away yeah. by it. And Bolton puts it out there like it was a bad thing. And and I, I don't know. I, I, I think you know, it's amazing. You know, <laughs> there's somebody that you and I can both uh, relate with this story to. Uh, there was a senator. Some of your listeners may remember Arlen Specter was a, was a senator from Pennsylvania. and. Later in his career, he basically switched sides. You know, he did it out of, uh, uh, you know, because it was convenient and was, he thought it was going to win him some. He never really was a true conservative, you know, and, and he jumps back to the he goes back to the uh, Democrat Party towards the end of his career. And what did the guy do? He, he basically is trying to leave a legacy where he's popular and where people are going to think high of him. And nobody can stand the guy. I mean, half the people can't even remember his name. Like when you say his name, you have to remind people who he is. Because right. he's been, you know, he passed away in 2012, but he, you know, he, he was, he served for many years. Um, I, I'm trying to remember when he retired, but I think I, actually till 2009, I think is when he retired. But the thing is, Clay, the guy has a horrible legacy. He's not known for anything good. That's what happens when at towards the end of your career, when you become disloyal and you, and you basically flip flop and you just start making accusations and you're doing things that are expedient for you. Nobody remembers. And, and those who do, you just became a case study in everything that's wrong. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's sad. It is sad. It's a very good point. Well, I, we got a few minutes to go here. I want to talk a little bit about Biden. And, you know, Biden's been at, uh, he's been in Washington now for almost 50 years. And uh, now he says he's the, uh, he's the one that can fix all the problems that exist today. I, I can't think of any problem that Biden's ever fixed anyway. But let's look at Biden. Has <laughs> Biden. Biden hasn't had a press conference in months. It's been like 120 days since his last press conference. Now, Hillary Clinton went, I believe, 250 days without a press conference or whatever it was. She basically was trying to take a knee. Remember, she was trying to take a knee and just run, yep. run out the clock because all the fake the polls that the polling outfits put out there showed her leading. So she said, I don't have to do anything. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. 
Well, now Biden is looking at these fake polls, the same polls where they oversample the Democrats, oversample the independents, and undersample the Republicans. Those same polls that discount the fact that Donald Trump, even with a COVID virus and a constant threat and harping of the mainstream fake news media out there reminding people that the COVID still exists, don't go to the Trump rally, with a constant drumbeat of that, and of course then the threat of the of the uh, of the outside agitators, the anarchists dropping out on Tulsa like Batman, which scare even more of them. But he still had almost ten thousand show up, and he still had millions more watching him on TV. Okay, the fact is Biden was whining about it because Biden, in his own little world, can't can't have anybody show up for his for his rally. Yeah. He didn't have a rally. I mean. When was the last time Biden was asked a question about defunding the police? Has he been asked anything on this defunding the police or his feelings on this new Seattle chop? chop no, in fact, <laughs> yeah, Biden has Biden has uh, you know three big problems on his hands, and which is why he's staying quiet. First and foremost, everything that Trump's accused him of with regards to um, the Ukraine has come true. I mean, it's coming to light. That once more, it's coming to light that Trump was right, and Biden has got, you know, as, as uh, Ricky used to say, and I love Lucy, Biden's got a lot of explaining to do, you know, <laughs> and he doesn't want to do any explaining. Uh, secondly, he has to, he has this this uh, sexual assault or sexual um, harassment and this these this image of a pedophile developing, and so he does he certainly does not want to have any questions that pertain to any of that. So he's number one, he's got a dark uh, past that's coming back to haunt him, and it's and Trump's proving to be right. Number two, he's got this, uh, you know, this, this growing cloud over him about sexual allegations and and perversion. And number three, most importantly, think about this: if if he's going to be asked about COVID, if he's going to be asked about the economy, if he's going to be asked about BLM and the riots and, and Antifa, what is he going to say? He can't. He has to draw a contrast between himself and the president. Well, let's let's go down the line. Number one, the president has empowered the states and their autonomy to deal with this crisis. What's Biden going to come in and do and say? Well, nope. I think the federal. I think the federal government ought to come in and take it over. Number two, what's he going to say? He's going to do anything different? No, he's actually going to agree with the most liberal leftist governors that like like what happened here with Governor Wolf in Pennsylvania. Of these draconian measures. So he's now going to say the federal government's going to be the one doing the draconian measures. He can't say anything right here. So between the, the allegations in the Ukraine being right, the cloud developing over his head with sexual misconduct, and now he can't, he can't show a good contrast between himself and, and Trump without looking like an overbearing, uh, you know, tyrant. The guy's got nothing to work with. And so the only thing he can hope is that Trump becomes his own worst enemy and fumbles the ball. And how he handles COVID, or 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 that, or how he handles something over, you know, like uh, what's going on with Chaz Chop over in Seattle. All he can do is hope that Trump fumbles the ball because if if Biden gets in front of a microphone, he has really got a problem on his hands. Well, I think when you when you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I think what's interesting is Biden has a hard time explaining how Americans with a Biden administration, I should say, with a Marxist administration because it's going to be Marxist extremists running the country, not Biden. Biden. Yeah. It's funny when, when, when Trump made a comment. He made the comment. He says, "You know, he says Biden is not controlling these people. He's controlled by them." He says, "When Joe Biden, I mean, when he's not confusing his 
his sister for his wife, is, is trying to figure out how to deal with these people. Look, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, psychological safety and love and belonging, esteem and sex, self-actualization. But, I mean, he has no answers for society. And, I mean, he certainly, I mean, safety is right there. Safety is one of the biggest ones that people have. It's like the lowest level of the pyramid. It's like we're the lowest, the most often concerned, the, the biggest concern of people for their psychological needs, if you will, the, the, the hierarchy of needs. Safety's right there. It's one of the top three. And yeah, I think I mean, the like with the old, is, uh, Hippocratic Oath, the first thing is do no harm. The yeah. first thing people want to know is that as a president, you're not going to do harm to them. And if you can get past that out of the gate, then they'll, they'll listen to you about other things. But if you can't guarantee people's safety and security, nobody wants to hear hear what you're what else you're going to do for them. Well, they want basic physical requirements, including the need for food, water, sleep, warmth, you know, and of course, safety and security. I mean, and and and, right. and right now the Democrats aren't offering any of this. I mean, no. I, I mean, I mean, th- th- this is where I'm at. Look, Biden, Biden is looking right now. He he, what their his campaign wants is a scripted version. Uh, a more homogenized version of Joe Biden, not the real one. Because the real one is the, like the one where he was talking on the Thursday before the rally when he was talking about, I think he was in Philadelphia, but he was talking, he says uh, that you know, as he was ba- as he was starting to ramble on, he goes, now I'm, I'm beginning to bore myself as I speak. I mean, that, that, came <laughs> out of his, that came out of his mouth, and I could not believe he said that. I mean, this is, I mean how, how would well, you say the guy's that? Not keep- who says the guy's not capable of telling truth? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's getting, he's getting, Every once in a while, right? Yeah, he stumbles on it. You know, he, he gets his hand-picked questions. He gets his hand-picked interviews. But he can't go on this way. And I think that's what's happening. But he's going to be asked the difficult questions that are going to put him in, on the spot. But he, he does not have the mental dis- dexterity, I think, to... To be able to show the American public that he mentally and physically can do the job. Oh, to your point, Clay. I think the I think the nightmare scenario for the for the uh, Dems and the left is that Trump comes out strong after the country starts to open back up. I mean, they they're they're they really are hoping that he makes a mistake and oversteps his power and authority. Whether it's COVID, whether it's BLM, Antifa, they're desperate for for some accusation to stick because if he comes out of this strong think about it you've only got a few months left then before the election and that's when you suddenly you can start scrutinizing um biden on topics that people are not fatigued with right they're not fatigued with talking about his uh you know the answers that he needs to give about the ukraine they're not fatigued with the allegations of sexual impropriety they're not fatigued with how he will contrast himself to trump they're they want to hear about these things and so you're going to have going into into the the final stretch. You're going to have all kinds of questions that he needs to be held accountable to answer, and people are going to be listening and perked up because it's going to be fresh information for them, and they haven't been it hasn't been droning on in their ears for months. So he's got a real problem. The left is desperate. This is one of the reasons I, I've been saying for a while that they're throwing the kitchen sink at everything right now. Whether it was COVID, whether it was uh, the the riots, whether it's this thing with the autonomous zone in Seattle. They're literally throwing the kitchen sink, and they're really desperate, most of all, to make Trump make a mistake. And and that's, quite frankly, why you've seen Trump have somewhat of a low profile, I believe, in, in some of these state matters, is because he's not going to give them the ammunition they're looking for. And, and buddy, I tell you what, once he comes out of that unscathed, 
and you've only got a couple months left before the election. Whoa, Biden, you think it's tough for, on him now? Just wait until he's fresh meat up on that stage and in front of a live audience for a debate with the president. I wouldn't be surprised if Trump was the one chomping at the bit for a debate just so he could just well, decimate the guy in front of millions. There's no there's no question. There's no question that what you're saying is accurate, because, look, that Biden's in a, in a whirlwind of hurt, I think. But they're throwing everything at Trump because they've, they've already lost the, the war. They know it. And that's lost. exactly they, right. They, they, they know they, he's in a world of hurt. They know they know Biden. They know they're in a yeah. horse race with a horse with a heart condition. They know this and they understand this. And they understand that they have a problem with that. And they, they just can't win. But listen, we're out of time, Rick. We appreciate you taking the time, folks, to listen to us today. Thank you for being here. Thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate you being with us today. See you every week, every Saturday at 430, right here on AM Radio 1180 WFYL for this distinct unpacking of the truth. Thanks for tuning in to The Watchman on the Wall with Rick Crump and I. For Rick Crump, I'm Clay Bree. See you next week. Goodbye for now.